Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 384 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. We have kind of a big topic today. We're talking about um, feeling insecure in our parenting, um, feeling sometimes judged or criticized, how to manage those feelings when they come up for us, and like how to kind of move through the process of I guess that feeling of insecurity, Megan, I feel like this is a lifelong journey that is not about like never, never feeling criticized or never having an experience where you feel like someone is judging you, but almost building that kind of foundational confidence that you can fall back on when it happens. So I don't know. We're going to, we have a lot to discuss today. We do. And we've talked on this show several times about dealing with criticism, feeling judged um, specifically, but I feel like it's a through line in, in mom life, right? And it doesn't go away. When you have adult kids, you still worry what other people think. You still worry if you did everything, you know, as right as possible, or if there's going to be some mistake they make or something that's going to reflect on you. It doesn't go away. And it always, I think it always comes back to when, whether they're babies or 30, um, how like, I don't know how you, how you feel about yourself, how you can kind of get in front of it before it happens and build yourself up, how you can deal in the moment and then like talk yourself down after there's been that moment where maybe you feel a little judged. Right. It's like those moments are going to keep happening. Maybe we get slightly better at letting them pass or like wash over us like a wave, like the, like the yogis would say. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up about having adult children, because I think often the narrative is that this is a new mom issue. Like you're a new mom. There's all this conversation about breastfeeding and bottle feeding and working and not working. And there's all these, like, I think the media feeds us this narrative of hot topics around new motherhood and mom shaming. And then I think we're supposed to like, 
oh, well, now I have my confidence. Now I've found my people. Now I feel more confident and like it's over. And that is just not my experience. Um, For me, it has ebbed and flowed over time. In many ways, I was a much more confident parent when I had like three little kids. Maybe not when I had one brand new baby, but when I was still pretty new, I think I, I had more confidence for a minute. And then, you know, life happens and you'll go through a phase where you're feeling more vulnerable or more insecure or um, just in this season of life I am going through right now where we have a kid going through gender identity stuff. It's out there in the open for people to have opinions and judgments about what my family looks like, what parenting decisions I might be making or like all kinds of things. So I'm, I'm extra. It's not that I feel overly judged right now, but I'm extra aware of that tendency we all have to be self-protective about like, like almost like get yourself ready for the judgment, whether it comes or not. I mean, if anything, I think it gets harder as they get older because, you know, the problems we run into with toddlers or preschoolers or babies or whatever, even if you find yourself on the opposite side of a choice from someone else, we can all kind of relate to the problems and they're sort of like cute, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, they're a tantrum. All two-year-olds do that. Or, you know, sleep troubles. All babies do that. And it's, it's very relatable and it's very publicly shareable. And then they get older and we, first of all, don't have as much control over anything they do, but we still love them and support them. And like, that's like, that's a hard line to walk sometimes. And then also it becomes a lot more lonely and private. I think Mm -hmm. like a lot of these decisions and choices and, um, how we're handling things, start to feel bigger, but also we can't talk about them the yep. same way. So it, I don't think it ever, it not only does it not go away, I think in some ways it gets harder yeah. over the years. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I thought we could start and I'll, this is like a mean challenge. So I'll go first to make it easier on you, but I thought we could just both share like our, our unique, hopefully not unique just to us, but our particular insecurity triggers things that we feel almost predisposed to think others might be judging us about. I think another way to like frame this question and listeners, you can play along is like, finish the sentence. I don't want to think any, but I don't want anybody to think I'm fill in the blank. So what are those like insecurity Achilles heels? And I'll go first. So I don't want anybody to think I'm uptight or controlling. Um, I think I worry people think I'm unfriendly or unfun sometimes. Uh, lately, I think a lot about people with younger kids, perhaps judging my parenting of teens or the flip side of that parents of like older teens and young adults, like in your stage, Megan being like, Oh, bless your heart. Just wait. Like it's going to get even worse. Like almost thinking like, you don't even know what you're in for. I, I have a real like, um, reaction against that feeling of judgment. Um, and even Violet's friends, a lot of Violet, Violet is nine, but all of her friends are firstborn children. So they are the oldest and I definitely worry a little bit about parents of her friends judging the way I parent my third kid who's nine against against their like holding it up against their first kid parenting of a nine year old. Does that make sense? Like they are seeing my post pandemic third kid parenting of a nine year old um, and they're comparing it against kind of the opposite. Um, I have some hang ups about like people who are not on the internet the way we are perhaps judging the way I share about my life online or don't share about it, especially as it relates to kids and family stuff. 
Um, that's why I really love having real life friends who also do internet work because it's like, it's just not something you can explain if people aren't, you know, active on the internet. Um, and then let's see one more. I can, um, I can get real weird about trying to manage people's perceptions about the work that I do, how much I work. And like, I've just, this is like unflattering, but I'm just being really honest. Like, I think I try really hard to make sure people know I have a real job. Like, no, no, I really do work. Like, I know it seems like I have this podcast and isn't that cute. It's again, it's, it's not wanting to be like, oh, isn't that cute that you have a podcast? And then I want to be like, no, no, like, I, like I am helping pay bills and I have like appointments. And so I will do like weird, we'll get into like (laughs) appointments. No, sometimes I have to go to the PO box (laughs) (laughs) and I will find myself over, um, like thou dost protest too much kind of like over being like, I can't do that because I, I have to work. And it's like, well, just, yes, I do have to work, but I think it's because I'm afraid people will think I don't have a real job. Ooh, that was a lot. That felt kind of like squirmy for me to admit all those things. Well, you just laid a lot out there. I think what's really interesting is that your, your, uh, insecurities or triggers or whatever, and mine some of them overlap or are almost like the inverse of each other. And some of them are the opposite of each other, which I suppose isn't surprising considering our differences, but um, yeah, I'll just lay it all out there now. So I don't want people thinking I'm sloppy or careless, which really goes right up against uptight and controlling (laughs) for you, but people thinking that I don't, um, that I don't think things through that, like that the way that I parent is just, always on the fly or the way that I do anything in life is always on the fly or like I haven't given things an adequate amount of thought. Um, that's a big trigger for me. And I, I don't think anyone believes that I'm lazy, but I think that people sometimes think my life just like, I'm just bumbling through this. I don't actually think they do think this, this is what I think they think. Right. That's where the defensiveness is coming in. Right. It's not even that I actually think they think it. It's like, I think maybe they could think that. Uh I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah, you get it. Um, so that's a big one. It's, it's people not thinking, not believing I have thought things through. Therefore, whatever choices I've, I'm making are being done on the fly or like in a careless or sloppy way. Cause that's not how it is. Um, it's really triggering for me if my kids behave in a way that might lead someone to believe them to be rude or lazy. And so that's like a long way of saying, I don't want people to think my kids are rude or lazy, but the part like the part that is related to me in there is if they're doing that, if they're behaving in a way that could be interpreted that way, like they're not trying hard in school, say, or they don't make eye contact when we meet a new person or whatever, they might be perceived as rude or lazy, which would then somehow reflect on me. It's a very codependent thing. Um, People um, who haven't parented through a divorce or have never parented older kids or parented kids with specific issues um, might compare my parenting against theirs or against others. And that kind of relates to like what you were saying about, you know, people who just don't like the third kid parenting versus first kid parenting or people with only little kids judging your parent. Like anytime I feel like um, they, they don't understand why I'm deciding to do things the way I'm doing it because they haven't had the experience. Sometimes I can be a little weird about that. Um, 
people thinking they know everything that about me, mm. like based on a few little things they've seen online or heard me say online, like people drawing conclusions about my life or about my parenting or about any of that. That's a little ick, sticky for me. And then interestingly, you know, you mentioned people maybe not respecting the fact that you have a job and like that right. this is a real thing that you have to show up for and um, that you can't just, it's not a hobby right. and now there's anything wrong with no, hobbies. No, and there's and, not. And, you like, know? Yeah, exactly. yeah, but it's like, but you want people to know what, like that what you do has to be done. It's like, it's in a different category um, of commitment, I guess. Yeah. And I actually think sometimes I feel like people think I work too much or I don't give my kids enough attention or time. And that is 150% about me. That's yeah. all about me feeling like over the years I have worked too much and I have not given my kids enough attention or time, which I don't know that anyone out there has any opinion about yeah. how much I work. Probably no one has any idea. Yeah. They think I'm home all day doing probably very little. Right. So you could, I could be more sensitive, like, no, this is a real job. Right. Don't you know I'm busy? But where my brain goes is yeah. people maybe thinking I'm actually, it's the opposite that I'm like, working the equivalent of 14 jobs and my kids never see me. And right. I think that's just so much more about me than anybody else. But it's interesting to think about. I mean, I think as we dive into this, we will realize all of all of it falls into that category, which is uh, these are our insecurities and our vulnerabilities and the things that we're feeling protective of the narrative or trying to like shape a narrative. And that's all about us and very, very seldom us. is it truly about someone pointing a finger at you and being like, gosh, Megan, I can't believe how much you work. Like the, the, the <laughs> your poor kids, the ratio of yes. that would be like one to like 800,000 or something. Maybe right. as, yeah. as moms, we're going to run into someone truly critical and judgmental for sure in our lives. But the ratio of times that it's about our own, the stuff in our own head versus what someone actually means or says out loud is, is a, is a big ratio. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. 
It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so let's talk, Megan, about how we can... I guess self-talk or like shift our own mindsets when we're in this pre-defensive space that we've just been talking about, like nobody has said anything, nobody's pointed any fingers, but we realize that we are operating from a place of insecurity about what people might think. Um, And sometimes that comes from somebody saying something in the past, but a lot of times I think it just comes from our own, our own issues. So do you have like a tip for, for handling that before it even happens? You know, I'm going to touch on this again in the when we talk about what to do after mm-hmm. our insecurities get activated. But I think this is like a bookends thing. It doesn't work very well in the moment. It doesn't work very well when you're actually being triggered and sure. someone has said something. But it works really well before and it works really well after, I think. And that is having a habit of building yourself up as a mom, um, reminding yourself of the things that you're good at. But But going beyond that, you said, Sarah, in the intro, um, something about creating a narrative. And I think that that can be unhealthy, but I think it can also be really healthy. Like, I think sometimes reminding yourself, this is why I do things this way, because I believe X, Y, and Z. And I do a really good job of being this kind of mom, because that's the kind of mom that feels right to me. Like reminding of yourself, yourself of that like the why, the narrative, the story, the philosophy, like that part of it, I think can be really important because it doesn't, that's not the same as saying it's right and everybody else is doing it wrong. It's like, this is the why for me. This is the story I'm telling. I can't be all the kinds of moms there are. I can only be one. I can only be the kind of mom I am. So I'm really going to double down on that and, and like building yourself up by just reminding yourself that that is a, an intentional, um, intentionally chosen sort of philosophy and reminding yourself that you're really good at that. Because I think sometimes noticing the stuff that you feel are wins the and success stories, as much as you notice the other things can kind of help balance it out. I love that. And as you were talking, I was even thinking if you are lucky enough to have a really close friend, or maybe it's your co-parent or your spouse, I think it'd be such an interesting exercise to ask them like, you know, Hey, this feels really weird, but can I just ask you, like, what do you think I'm really good at as a mom? Like letting, like almost letting in that, like those compliments and getting reminded of those superpowers. I think sometimes we can be really at a low place where we're not even able to access, like, what are the things I do really well? Why am I making these choices? So if you have the ability to include someone else in that conversation. Like if someone asked me that, I would love to tell them like, oh my gosh, I see this about you. I see this about you. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like one thing that one benefit you and I have had just through our professional life 
um, playing out the way it is, is that we get to hear what the other thinks is great about us and our parenting, mm-hmm. like as, as content, yeah. <laughs> as part of like our daily work routine, but not everybody gets that, you right. know, not everybody has the opportunity to sit down once a week and have someone else say, that's really great about you, Mary. And one thing I noticed about you that's so awesome, Kelly, is this. And like, I think that that's something where when I have had you reflect things back to me, just as a matter of conversation, yeah. and you've said that's something you're really good at or something I really admire. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I do do that. It yeah. wouldn't have occurred to me. I wouldn't have thought to paint it with that brush right. had you not done the work for me. And it's always easier to do that work about other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's a tip from me and it might seem almost unrelated um, or not make sense, but stick with me. And that is, um, let's all be really honest with ourselves about our own tendencies to judge others. And I don't mean to beat yourself up for it, but just notice if there are times when just in your own head, you probably don't say it out loud. I don't. Um, but notice when you might find yourself thinking, I would never do that. Or like, I can't believe Mm. that mom let that kid do that. And almost just give that a little bit of space to breathe and exist. Like as the self-help books would say, like, give it a seat at the table. I think if we have a hope that others will be generous about our intentions and less critical of us, it does really help to look for opportunities to extend the same, even if all of this is happening in our own, like just in our own head, just reflecting. Um, And for me, it has to begin with like admitting either to myself or like to a really close friend when I am getting a little bit judgy, when I do have those thoughts of like, man, I don't think I would make that decision or like, wow, you know, whatever the judgy thought is. I think we all have the capacity to feel critical um, or to be critical of others. I also think we have the capacity to grow in that area and to be to soften and to become more compassionate. I think pretending we're not judging other moms possibly does more harm than good. So that whole tip was all a mental exercise. There's nothing to really do there, but I really try to be honest with myself. I I mean, I don't tell a story that I never have a judgmental thought or see another parenting choice and am judgy about it. It's what I do after that, that hopefully is with compassion and acceptance and all of that. Well, I think that's important for two reasons. For for one, um, it's just good to recognize that we're doing that because the practice of trying, not like you said, wiping out all judgment because that's impossible, um, but to be more mindful of it and maybe stop ourselves in our tracks and say, okay, I see that I'm going down this path of being very judgmental about this thing. Um, what's a way I can like redirect that or look at it differently or extend compassion or empathy or maybe think of things a little bit differently. That That's super important. But then also just noticing how much we're jumping to judgment. Yes. Make like kind of normalizes it. Like, oh, this is the human condition. Mm -hmm. We're all walking around fighting judgment all the time. And most of the time, it's not really about the other person. It's about us. And so what that means is that when other people are judging me or when I think they're judging me, it's really not about me. It's about them. Or maybe it's not even happening or maybe it's happening, but it has nothing to do with anything I'm actually doing. It's like, just the more you notice, the more you can kind of get to the bottom of what's really happening. And so it's like valuable coming and going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe by noticing and like being slightly curious about it, it also um, removes some of its power too. Like if those of us who want to be good people can feel really bad if we have a bad thought, right? Like a judgy thought or a mean thought, but just like 
making room for that to be like, oh, that was interesting. Like I felt real. I, that was like really brought up some judgment in me. Wonder what that's about. Like you said. So. Right. Yeah. Well, my next tip may feel a little unrealistic or a little, I guess, harsh. So I'm just going to say this with a ton of caveats. Yeah. And that is, um, there have been times in my life where I have had to make an active effort to avoid to whatever degree possible. Sometimes it's easier than others. Um, being around people who are making me feel bad about my parenting. And by that, I mean, people who are going out of their way to make me feel bad about my parenting and people for whom I simply feel bad about my parenting when I'm around them. Uh Those are two very different categories. And even to drill down more, those people aren't always the same all the time. There's been times in my life as a mom that I have been really defensive around a specific person. And then whenever the issue passes or that age or stage passes, I go back to being great around that person. No problems at all. And that's because sometimes it's stuff they're actually saying, but sometimes it's like my perception of what they think of me. Maybe that's based on past baggage. Maybe that's because their kid is a rock star in this particular area where mine is not. Maybe it's because I just know we have a strong difference of opinion about something. And for whatever reason, right at that moment, it's really just kind of coming to a head. So it's not about cutting people off forever. I mean, there are people like that that you just need to cut out of your life. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm really talking about protecting yourself when you can, when you're in a really vulnerable place and that doesn't even have to be perceptible to the other person always. You can really fake it for quite a long time um, and just not put yourself in a position where you're either with that person or actively parenting in front of that person until it passes. And 99% of the time it passes in my experience. So that felt like um, a personal pep talk for me. Um, And just, it's like so freeing to just think like we, it's okay to, um, I don't want to say like coddle ourselves, but in a vulnerable time to protect our, insecurities to protect our vulnerabilities for a temporary period of time until such time that we like feel like we can just be out in the world with everybody and all of their opinions again. I just, I loved that you said that. So yeah, thank you. Um, okay. So my next tip in terms of the before is to just actually say, say the thing you're worried about out loud or write it down in a safe space. It could be just to yourself in a journal or with a close friend and just actually say the sentence and be honest about how this um, vulnerability or insecurity makes you feel and act and behave. So for example, I would say I'm worried people will think I'm uptight and controlling. And when I'm worried about that, I get defensive and start being critical of others. And just like to kind of own that that's your experience. It's not, um, it's a, it's a, it's an experience of feeling insecure or worried. It doesn't validate that I am uptight, that I am controlling. It's that I'm experiencing this insecurity. Um, and then kind of like, just ask yourself some follow-up questions. Okay. So if people do in fact think that about me, what does that say about them? what does it say about me? Okay. What if it's actually true that I am uptight and controlling? Like, am I okay with that? Is it true? Is it not true? Like sometimes I think just by leading yourself through that 
exercise, again, it removes the power or like the ickiness of having this. We go, we skip right to the part where we like, oh, I hate that I'm so insecure or I hate that I care so much what other people think of me. Right. But like, actually, like, well, everybody does this. So instead of skipping right to that part where now you are also beating yourself up, <laughs> like almost like stopping and just putting language around it. I think that could work really well in a journal. I, I wish I were more of a journaler, but um, as I was talking, this feels like a good journal exercise. It is. And I, and I, so much of what I said earlier about some things work really well in the before and the after space, but not at all in the yeah. moment. <laughs> um, and this is very similar to something I was going to say in the, in the after you felt judged space, but I feel like it could be happening kind of all the time. Is that self-reflection like that honesty with yourself because are you worried people will think you're fill in the blank because you know that you actually are fill in the blank or is it because you worry that people's perception is that and then if it turns out it's true okay then what right you know is that an opportunity to change something about yourself that you're just kind of deep down not super happy with or is it more like uh, no, actually they're, they're wrong. Or even if they're a little bit right, I'm okay with it because of my personal parenting philosophy or, right. or whatever right. it is. Um, yeah, there's like, so much of this is like, perception is never a hundred percent true. It's always colored by a million things that have nothing to do with the other person's truth. And so, um, yeah, I think just that alone space, it doesn't have to be journaling. I don't think, but like, maybe just talk to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. know. Do you talk to yourself, Sarah? Are you a self-talker? Um, no, I just like talk out on loud this mumbler. podcast. Oh, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't talk out loud very often. I just talk enough to you and to friends in Voxer. It's like a conversation with myself. I love it. I, I asked because my brother, uh, John and my sister, um, both have admitted talking, like talk, having actual out loud conversations with themselves. And I don't think I do that, but I do think almost out loud a lot. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. Like Absolutely. I think to the point where my, like my, my lips are moving, but like no sound is coming out. Interesting. I like definitely that. think in words and sentences and I'm sure as a writer, you probably do too. I think some people think in images and thoughts and more yeah. abstract and I think in language for sure, but I don't think it usually comes out. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. 
And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so we are now going to talk about kind of how to manage... um, Maybe our own feelings, maybe the situation in the moment when someone has made a comment or asked a question, or even just, even if they don't reflect anything that seems critical, we're just feeling like maybe it's in the air. Like it's just, it's just thick around us. And sometimes just acknowledging that that's coming from us more than anybody else. Yeah. There are still things we can do in the moment to help us get through that moment. Right. And, and I think most of us probably know that feeling in your body when you feel like you're feel criticized, criticized, whether someone said a mean comment or not, your vulnerabilities have been poked, right? Like you, you have been activated. Um, and I did want to make the distinction between truly like yucky, passive aggressive, critical comments that, you know, we will encounter at some point, like, Oh, like, that's the car seat you chose, you know, like it does, right. oh. it does exist out in the mom world. And there's definitely some outward judginess versus what we've been talking about, the tendency we all have to kind of be on high alert for anything that resembles that judgment. So someone being yeah. like, oh, I actually got the such and such car seat. And like, they didn't mean anything by it, but y- you for whatever reason in that moment, but what you heard yeah. them say was, mm, right. I'm sure it was discounted. Right. Exactly. I guess you don't really love your baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like so, we can hear things. We can hear a simple statement as many things. It is not. Yes. And, and yes. both exist in the mom world, but, and we are, we're talking about both, but just being clear that a significant amount of the time that we are like, quote unquote, triggered, likely the other person has meant very little by it. Right. Yeah. All right. So what are our tips for actually being in that moment of activation? Well, this is when this one, I think, works really well when someone is offering unsolicited advice or when they're making um, a critical comment like this is when it's a little more in your face. Yeah. And and that's just like being really vague. Um, I remember saying things when my kids were really little and I was maybe doing parenting (laughs) in a way that uh, perhaps some extended family didn't understand or people who were not like not close enough to me that I was going to bother explaining anything. Right. But just saying like, oh, I'll keep that in mind. Like playing dumb, I think sometimes can work really well. Like if someone says, oh, you know, you're not supposed to do this or that. Oh, thanks. I'll keep that in mind. Or something really bland and vanilla that you can just have at the ready when that relationship 
doesn't warrant or the encounter doesn't warrant going any deeper. Like it doesn't deserve any more of your thinking, explanation, internal dialogue. Like it just doesn't warrant anything more than thanks. I'll keep that in mind. So something vague that you could just pull out as like your I'm blowing this off. This is like water off a duck's back statement. It's so neutral. I really like thanks. I'll keep that in mind because it's not untrue. You might keep that in mind and you might stew about it later. And we'll, we'll get to that when we, right. <laughs> when we get to the after, but it's completely neutral. You're not, you're not opening the door for any further discussion, but you're sort of like deactivating, like, de- yeah, you know, yes. applying a neutralizer to that statement. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I would say this is kind of an extension of that, but when you really do feel like you want to maybe assert your choice a little bit more or, or shut the conversation down if it feels like it needs that. And that's to just be polite, but really matter of fact and be like, thanks, but we've decided to do it this way or thanks, but we're happy with our decision. Um, I think that again, can stop a well-meaning advice giver or a less well-meaning, like judgy commenter in their tracks, because if you portray that, um, simple confidence, there's not much more for them to say, like you, you've decided to do it this way, or you're happy with your decision. Um, there's, there's nowhere for them to go. So I like that. Yeah. And Sarah, I think that there's, you know, rarely does it happen where the issue is big enough or the person or the relationship is intimate enough that it goes further than that. But every now and then it might. And I'm thinking if you find yourself up against a situation where the other person's just not satisfied with that, or it didn't solve the issue because the issue maybe isn't just about the diapers you chose to use or whatever, but it's about something the other person um, feels more strongly about or thinks affects them. And I'm just thinking of a, a friend of mine who is in a position where he has to deal with a lot of like he's in a leadership position where he's dealing with people who have very different opinions about how things should be done. And he said a really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like diffusing yeah, neutralizing. statement, yeah. neutralizing. Yeah. Again, is like, well, exactly what would you like me to do? Or what exactly do you think I should do? Because a lot of times people won't have an answer to that, right. but being kind of turning it back on them. And, and this wouldn't be like, if it was something about they don't like the diapers you're using, then they'd say, use a different diaper, like whatever. Right. This would be more, this would be more like they really strongly disagree with uh, a, a choice that you're choice making, that you're a making. philosophical yeah. choice. Mm-hmm. And if you say like, okay, well, what exactly would you like me to do? Then they kind of have to think through what they would do in your shoes. And that can be a very uncomfortable yet telling place for people to be yeah. because sometimes it's not so clear, like they want the satisfaction of having you be on their side, but they haven't thought through from point A to point B. Well, and it also um, a little bit requires them to actually own their judginess a little bit. Um, yeah. So if there is like if judginess is masquerading as I just love you and I'm concerned about you and um, I want the best for you, then when you ask, great. So like how exactly would you approach this situation or what exactly would you recommend I do? 
they've either kind of got to put up or shut up a little bit um, because if they really do have some strong judgments, they're no longer able to, it's like, well, I think you should quit your job and stay home full time with your baby. And then you can be like, thanks. I'll keep that in mind. It almost like forces (laughs) them. It takes you back to the point A. Yeah. Because often what it is, if someone's negatively reacting to something you're doing, but they don't have anything more to offer than that, you're totally right. They got to put up or shut up. Like, what's okay. Then what's my plan? Give, please detail me a five point plan as far as what you would do in this situation or what you think I should do. And then I can either accept it or deny it. Like I can take it or leave it. And then they might say, oh, well, I, you know, it's your decision. It's like, okay, well then great. I'm happy with my decision. Like, you know, if you're not going to tell me exactly your recommendation, then maybe this is not an appropriate conversation. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it because it just takes you back to point A and B. Yeah. Um. Another one that I've used at times, and this is when you've got, I, I feel like this is like a, a often an older relative situation or like a, um, you know, the well-meaning lady at church or something. You just literally have to change the subject because there are some people, and this is very rare, but there are some people who just kind of have like a real skill at passive aggressively, not ever letting things go. And like you can't win. There's no winning. Right. So like this is a situation where you truly are being criticized mm-hmm. or where the passive aggressiveness is so strong. You don't know. Like mm-hmm. You just truly don't know. But you need to not be talking about this thing anymore. Yeah. And I think sometimes you just got to change the subject. Like yeah. you just got to it. There's not there's nothing more to be done. There's nothing to be won. Sometimes you can say to the person, if you have that relationship, like, I just think we should change the subject. This isn't going anywhere. This isn't productive. Or sometimes you just do it and hope they get the point. How about them? How about them Dodgers? How about them Cubs? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So my last one, I think works really well if there is a culture of joking or like good natured ribbing about a topic. This could be in a mom friend group. It could be in a family system. Um, But It is to be brutally honest, but also to own your sensitivity or own your insecurity as part of being brutally honest. So you could say to someone, you know, you might not have meant anything by it, but I'm extra sensitive about this particular picky eating issue. So I can really I can feel really easily judged. I know everybody has their thing and this just happens to be mine. I think if you said that, hopefully to a mom friend. I hope she would be like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, I, I totally feel that way about, you know, I don't know, whatever the other issue is, how much TV my kids watch. Um, and I think, I think sometimes humor and like giving each other a bad time in good nature is just really tricky because on a lot of topics, if you tease me about like color coding my calendar, you, Megan, I would not take it badly at all. But the wrong person in the wrong delivery could flare up that insecurity I have about being like super, I don't know, whatever. I've already used all the words, uptight, organized, controlling, you know, all the rigid. Things. Yeah. Rigid. Rigid. I just gave you a new yeah, one. There you. you go. So <laughs> yeah. So I, I could just say Exciting. like, I don't think you meant to hurt my feelings, but this is just an area where I'm extra sensitive. Um, and I very, I could just feel very easily judged. I think it's really important when we're in those situations too, to remember that some people are just having an academic argument. Like it really, like for sometimes it's just for some people, it's just sport. Like they want to see things through to the, you know, to the last debate point. 
And for some people, they're not personally attached to something. So they're just like academic. It's it's all theoretical. Right. It's not an actual debate. Like you could have a conversation about, well, I heard that this car seat's the safest one because blah, blah, blah. And maybe you're sensitive about that. And you know, you don't have that car seat and now you feel judged. But that person literally right. is just having, they just heard that on the news on the way over right. and they don't really care. Right. <laughs> they just think it's interesting content. Yeah. So Sometimes when those people, especially because sometimes people really just like to be knowledgeable or sir, I could be that way or uh, have something interesting to chat about, don't understand that they're rubbing up against your yeah. insecurity right. about that specific topic. So I think you're so right that diffusing or neutralizing and just being like, hey, I, I'm extra sensitive about this. Can we just like talk about something else or, yeah. or hey, you should know that I um, don't have that car seat and, and like. Most people, I think, would be 100% um, not just amenable to changing the topic or to approaching it differently, but be like, oh, my gosh, of course. Yeah. Because everyone's got that thing. Everyone's it's got just, that thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I just want to say one more thing about this one. And it, I think in family systems, um, I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, we can get like there are fixed reputations of people of like Megan's like the flaky one and Sarah's the grumpy one. And, um, if you, if there's like a, one of those kind of, what would you call that? Like a, like a family role that doesn't feel good to you anymore. And especially around parenting. Um, I think this is a strategy that works to be like, you know, I know we've had this joke for a long time and it didn't used to bother me, but I'm feeling extra vulnerable right now. And it just like, those jokes don't land with me the way they used to. So I think it can be really um, just by saying I'm extra sensitive or I'm feeling vulnerable takes it away from criticizing someone else and even admitting like, yeah, I might have thought that was funny at one time, but I don't anymore. So, yeah. Or you might have been pretending to think it was funny. Exactly. Or and you never did think it was funny, time. but now you're done. Like, yeah. Not going for it anymore. Yeah. Yes. All right. So you have built us a list of how to reflect on these experiences afterward that kind of maybe leaves us with a more peaceful, calm and confident sensibility, even after we've been all, all ruffled, all our feathers all yes. ruffled. Yeah. Um, and I think you have all the tips, so I'm here to listen. Well, I'm sure you'll have things to say. I just got to the outline before you <laughs> did. So I got to claim this one. Well, the first one I would say is in as much as you can, like, in the beginning, I said, build yourself up, right? Like that's how you get in front of things. But I'm also just going to say, hang out with people who build you up and who help you see the choices that you're making in a, in a light that is fair to you and fair to you in a way that is like, you're probably not fair enough to yourself. You probably don't yeah. give yourself enough credit. Um, and being around people who either feel similarly to the way you do or, or parent similarly to the way you do, or even if they don't, who can point out the things that they think are great about you, that they admire about you, I think is just as important as building yourself up. Yeah. And you can be really conscious about that. Just like you can sometimes make a conscious decision, like in this season of life, I'm just going to avoid a lot of one-to-one -one contact with XYZ people because they're, I'm feeling bummed out around them. You can also make the conscious choice to hang out with people who build you up. It reminds me of, um, and this is not something I can speak to personally, but that I know exists and hopefully it's okay that I use this as an example, but 
Um, those who have struggled with getting pregnant or keeping a pregnancy and do not have children and just the pain that exists in hanging out with people who are like going to baby shower after baby shower and seeing pregnancy announcement after pregnancy announcement. I would imagine you would not want to write those people out of your lives forever by any means, but you would want to surround yourself with people who maybe don't have kids and are living really full, fulfilling lives or other people experiencing infertility. I think the same could be true if you're like raising a kid with like significant special needs or medically fragile. It's not that we're trying to silo ourselves so that we're never around people who kind of like bring out those insecurities in us, but it does absolutely make sense to hang out with people who I guess like by their very presence, kind of affirm whatever you're going through and make you feel like you're making good choices and that you're a great mom. And so, yeah, it's tricky. Of course, you're not going to avoid everyone who could potentially be painful to hang out with. But I like the proactive strategy of making sure that you're filling your time and your life with people who make who build you up. So, yeah. Um, my next one was about writing about my feelings. And this has been super helpful for me in working through stuff. Now, I know you had said you wished you were better at journaling, Sarah. Um, I've actually found public writing to be helpful for things and not like, not like a dear diary, dear Instagram. (laughs) Today, I felt really judged more like almost in reaffirming what my philosophy is in a public way. I think sometimes if I'm not too navel gazy about it, <laughs> which sometimes I'm sure I am, my kids like to make fun of me as we all know, but sometimes just writing um, publicly about things that are happening and like forcing myself to kind of, how, how do I get succinct about this? How yeah. would I explain this to a friend? Yeah. Um, I'm like not crafting great. a narrative. Yeah. Yes. I'm not great at just journaling for journaling's sake either. I'm really yeah. not. It's more like, if I was trying to write the story of my life and why I've made the choices I've made and how I feel when other people don't get it or whatever, how would I write that? And like, what would that look like? And I find that very helpful. It's a little different from, I think what we mostly think of as journaling. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like journaling with purpose. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that does happen publicly. Well, I do not think you are navel gazy ever at all. And I have a huge amount of admiration for the public writing that you do do. It is what drew me to you like 14, 13 years ago. Um, but also like in your current through your divorce, like in your current stage of life. So if you need the buildup or validation, I don't at all think going back to to our other tip. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's not navel gazy at all. Um, and I do think that being that writing helps us process things, but it also invites in community And for all of the negative parts of social media, which there are many, um, if you were to say something vulnerable and honest about anything, you're going to mostly get validation and support from your community. Now, that doesn't happen overnight. Like, I don't think one could open an Instagram account and start pouring your heart out. I shared. Why did people show up? Yes. Um, We've been doing this a long time. But yeah. Yeah. And I do think that that practice is, um, well, it's something I admire about you. So. Well, that brings us very nicely and neatly to the very last um, one of my tips about dealing with the aftermath or the before math of that feeling of judgment or having felt judged. And that, again, is just to come back to your personal 
parenting philosophy, life philosophy, like whatever it is you feel about this life you're living, your worldview, whatever ideas you have created and nurtured about what life is for, what parenting is for, all of these things. We all come at this with like so much difference in background, parenting, like the parenting we experienced, um, our family of origin stuff, where we are now socioeconomically, like uh, what we value. There's a million ways we can be different from each other. So of course, we're all going to have a different philosophy about the way we want to live our lives and the way we want to parent our kids. And I guess for me, it's always helpful to say, I'd like to remind myself, what's my personal philosophy? Not even a parenting philosophy. It's like a life philosophy and how parenting fits in. And then just to ask myself, honestly, if whatever the thing I did or am doing that I maybe feel judged about is in line with that, like, is it in line with what I value most? If it's not, maybe there's room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. But if I'm constantly feeling judged about something, is it because maybe deep down, I know I want to do something differently. Mm -hmm. And that's not to beat myself up. We're all in that stage of where we could be more in line with our values. Every single human being on earth right now is a hypocrite in some way Uh and is not in line with their values in some way. So it's always useful to just ask yourself, am I in line with that value? Like whatever that thing I value most in this circumstance, am I in line with that value? And then if in this case, your actions actually are pretty closely lining up, then carry on. Like no guilt needed. It's about the other person. But I do think it's good to ask yourself because sometimes a return, like a feeling of being criticized or judged. And if you keep going back to that feeling, maybe that's really you talking to you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, that was deep. And I was thinking as you were talking, I think my therapist asked me something similar at some point about like those pillars or those like core values. And it really made me think because first of all, it made me think like, oh, maybe I need to get clear about a couple of pillars, a couple of things to come back to at the end of a day to say, like, was was I this like, was I living in alignment with those values? So in maybe the first step is being clear about what those are and not, you know, not everybody has thought that through, especially if you are changing a million diapers and haven't slept in two years. So. Yeah, it turns out your 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 mental capacity for that kind of deep thinking may not really be there. But somewhere we know, I feel like we all at some level, gut core level, know when we're moving toward who we are or moving away from. Yeah. And we're never going to get there. That's life. We're never going to be like the perfect like specimen or example of what we want to be. But it's sort of like you're either going toward or you're going away. Image, so, but also I kind of want to yeah. be the perfect specimen. Is that possible? Yeah, I know. Is that attainable? Well, Sarah, <laughs> I think perhaps that might that might play into your pillars. I know, Maybe that's something I you could explore with your therapist. I, know, I, I will know. explore it in yoga for myself, but yes. Just teasing. <laughs> um, okay, I really loved this conversation. I'm so glad and thankful for everybody who joined us. If this episode, if you liked this and it was helpful to you, and if you want to help us out a little. I just sharing the podcast on social media, wherever you hang out on social media and like tagging us or saying why you liked an episode or linking to it. It helps us so much. And sometimes I feel bad because we don't always reply or like reshare it to our stories. Just depending on the day, we're not always spending our entire day in Instagram, turns out because I have a real job, people. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> but we always appreciate it. So I don't know if you wanted to like send us a little love this week, that would be awesome. Just share, share the show with a friend in real life or share it on social. Um, and we would love that. Yeah. Well, of course, I don't want people to think I'm on my phone ignoring my kids all day either. So I can't always share your stuff. It's a big trigger for me. You cannot possibly. You got to maintain that. Maintain that image. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Well, um, next week, we have a whole week between episodes, um, but we have a fun one coming up next Tuesday. We we are covering a week of real life lunch packing to go along with our week of real life kind of series that we do. Um, And this is featuring our contributors. Thank goodness, Megan, because I don't think either of us is packing many lunches right now this fall. No, but you know what's funny? This morning, um, I was hanging out with Isaac while he was getting ready for work and the other kids were getting ready for school and he was packing a lunch for his work day. And it was just like the sweetest thing, like watching him make a man sandwich. A man sandwich. I love it. Did he have a little lunch pail? Like a little like yes, Paw Patrol that he bought situation? himself and, and he had a panic moment that he thought someone else ate his salami that he bought himself. Like, you should tell salami? everyone, anyone who's brand new, you should tell everyone how old Isaac is or this will not He's, make sense. He will be 23 this weekend. So by the time this airs, he'll be 23. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm packing very few lunches, blessedly. Um, but we have a whole team of contributors with kids of all ages, and they have kept track of the lunches they packed for the last week. And next week, we're going to talk about what they packed and um, give you some lunch packing ideas and inspiration just from the real lives of moms from around the country. So we will talk to everybody next Tuesday. Talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.